Welcome to the Really Bad Mental Health Podcast. I'm Adam Collins, one of the hosts. Shortly, Adam Harvey and Lisa Cooper will be joining me. This podcast was born from our awesome non-for-profit clothing brand, The Brave and Determined Company. Our mission is to provide everyone who needs it early intervention life-saving counselling. The three of us know firsthand the benefits counselling can have. We're just three friends breaking the stigma around mental health. This podcast is totally free. So to pay us back, subscribe and leave a comment. Spread the word on this movement that we've started. We hope you enjoy the show, but if you don't, we're going to do it anyway. Visit us at badco.uk. Welcome to the Really Bad Mental Health Podcast. On this episode of the Really Bad Mental Health Podcast, we talk in detail about suicide. Please use discretion. If you need any support, please call the Samaritans or the charity Calm. A very, very warm welcome to episode number 14 of the Really Bad Mental Health Podcast. It's podcast time. It's just three mates talking everything mental health. Adam, that's me. Adam, that's you. And Lisa, that's you. It was born off the back of our company that Adam and I started, the, the Brave and Determined Company. How is everyone? I'm all right. I've had a bit of a, an indifferent week, I think I would say. I had a lovely weekend. I did some nice things at the weekend, which I'm trying to focus on a bit more, like we talked last week, about doing nice things in the spare time. But I've been quite stressed at work this week, and I've struggled a bit with not feeling good enough and not feeling I'm doing the right things, and that leads me down quite a negative cycle of thinking when I get like that, and I don't know how to snap out of it. Okay, so let's talk a bit more about that. Indifferent, that's an interesting word. <laughs> Yeah, just like not bad, but not an amazing week. Do you know what I mean? Just mediocre and a bit. Okay, let's come back to that. Harves, how are you? How are you feeling? Um, well, I think a little bit similar to Lise. I mean, I've I've been away for a few days, which was great down to Cornwall, which we loved. Good time to recharge, and it was a great time. It was it got off to a bumpy start, which is purely my doing, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later on, because I just I get all up in my own head. Yeah, I sometimes need talking back out of my head. But I'll, I'll explain more about that later on because we've touched on it earlier and I think it's something that we can uh, we can relate to. But once I, once that mental dust had settled, I had a really good time with the fam down by the seaside. Uh, visited St. Michael's Mount, which was great. And it was a, a National Trust place and the kids were interested the whole way through. Wow. Which is remarkable. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, I was amazed as well because we it's a, it's, a, it's a castle on an island. We walked out to it but we had to get a boat back. It's amazing, isn't it? I know the tide isn't a new thing, but it blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. How are you? I'm, I'm bleh. <laughs> We're all indifferent this week. <laughs> yeah, since we've discussed choosing happy, everything seems to have got a little bit harder. <laughs> just got unhappy. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. So let's come back to that in a minute. We've just discussed quickly how we feel and we'll come back to it in a second. So our mission is to provide everyone, regardless of their situation, early intervention, life-saving counselling. We sell clothing and apparel through our not-for-profit business, the Brave and Determined Company, to generate funds and to provide everyone, like Lee said, regardless of their situation, early intervention, life-saving counselling. So head on over to badco.uk, right, no, not right now, after the podcast, check it out, make a purchase and help make a difference to someone's life. 
Excellent work. It almost sounds like we've rehearsed this and actually thought about what we're going to say. Almost. Surely not. This, oh, we need to explain this a bit because we mentioned it last week, but I think there's a little bit more that we need to explain. So for every 25 t-shirts and hoodies we sell, it supports one person through a course of early intervention, life-saving counselling. Now, that doesn't mean we're saying you need to buy 25 of our t-shirts. <laughs> if someone wants if you to want buy, to. <laughs> yeah, if you want to buy 25 t-shirts, then of course we'll, we'll support that. But what we're saying is if you and 24 of your friends or you and 24 strangers were to all buy one t-shirt each, that profit that comes from selling those 25 t-shirts will help one person through six sessions of life-saving counselling. So that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. And so for every four t-shirts or hoodies we sell, so again, if you want to buy four, that the profit from that purchase goes to helping one person through one session of early intervention life-saving counselling. So with every purchase you guys make out there, you, one, get some really cool stuff because you get a cool t-shirt, cool hoodie. Two, you're helping someone at the same time. So get on our website, badcode.uk, and buy some stuff. So, Lise, let's go back to the beginning and talk about your week. What's going down? So, yeah, so I've just had, I had a bit of a bad week at work, and I felt like... I'm not very good at taking criticism, I've decided. And I feel like everyone's, when something goes wrong, I automatically think it's my fault. And then if someone says something, I'm like, that's my fault. And then I jump, you know, attack as the first form of defence, isn't it? And on Friday, I just, everything got to me and I was biting back at people. They were biting back at me. And I was just like, I can't, I don't know what to do. I can't do this anymore. Like, this is really getting to me. And I just feel like I go down that road of, I'm not very good at my job. I'm not very good at what I'm doing. And I just get that negative thoughts pattern again. And I just end up like, what am I doing? Do you know what I mean? And I just... The, the critique thing, though, um, when people actually critique you and say, have you, you've heard us talk about the man in the arena quote. Uh, no, I don't know if I have. I probably have. Theodore Roosevelt quote the man in the arena google it it's fantastic my my boss actually told me about it me and harves have talked about it in detail and basically it's about it's about the person in the cheap seats who's looking down at you covered in sweat and blood doing your very best their opinion means nothing and unless you're stood next to me that's the only time i'll take your critique yeah and i use that a lot because I think it's very easy for people to critique you, but unless they're stood next to you, doing what you're doing, putting your vulnerability out there, and you're trying your hardest, don't ever criticise me unless you've done it as well. I think I just take it all in a bit too personally as well. Rather, like, simple, I got something wrong on a delivery ticket. It didn't matter massively, but I sent the wrong materials to the job. And I just and it sort of came out, and I felt like everyone was kind of like, going, oh, God, Lisa's done that again. And I thought... I'm trying my best. Like people were on holiday last week. I had no one to ask. I did what I thought was right. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing two or three jobs at once. I'm trying to get everything done. Yet you're all still just like having a, not say having a go. They probably weren't having a go. I was probably just, you know, in one of those kind of sensitive. Yeah. Like once I get in that negative spiral, everything's worse than what it would be normally. And I can look back, you know, like now this week's been a bit better so far. I can be a bit like, well, maybe I was being a bit irrational then. But at the time, I'm just very much in it and I'm just like, well, you know, do it yourself kind of thing. But oh, yeah, bless, I just yeah. don't take criticism very well. And I don't like, they probably won't even criticize me, but I just struggle with that not good enough. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think we all get that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. If you get it wrong, the first thing I always do when I get something wrong is I stick my hand up and go, yeah, I got it wrong. You know, I'm, I'm not a robot. Yeah. 
I'll put the wrong material on the delivery ticket. Don't worry about it. No one, no one's died. This is that's exactly the line. I used to have a boss who said that. I remember the first time I went to him when I cocked up because I've always been one thrown in a cock up as well. I love that ad. Like, put your hand up because as soon as you put your hand up and own it, people can't have a go at you for it anyway because you've gone well. That was me. So. Yeah. Whereas I tend to like, jump to my own defence, like, well, I'm doing two people's jobs at once. Everyone was on holiday. <laughs> you know. Go to my boss, this old boss, and say, oh, I've, I've cocked up here. I've done this, and he just look at me and went, and who died? Yeah. <laughs> And I was yeah. like, well, nobody died. And he's like, well, we can move on then, can't so we? My mum used to say, well, you haven't murdered anyone. When we come back and we've done something wrong or we thought we were in trouble or like we needed a help, she'd be like, you know, you haven't murdered anyone. No one's died. <laughs> Let's move on to you, Hub. Yeah, your holiday. Freddie Flambards. How was the Freddie Flambards? Oh, Flambards is great. It's a, it's a, it's an old school, well, not old school, but it's a very, um, it's, it's a theme park, but it's, it's a low key sort of theme park. You've got some great rides. Not when you're six or seven, it's not. No, and, and to be fair, I had one one particular ride that I was like, oh my God, after I went on it. And when it took me upside down, was spinning me around in all sorts. And I thought, I'm heavy. And this, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's a great little theme park, actually. And um, the kids love it. Um, and it doesn't get as crazy busy like, you know, your your fork parks and your Legoland and stuff like that. So you, you literally queue for a couple of minutes. I mean, some of the rides you go round on and the guy goes, do you want to go again? <laughs> I love those ones. You're like, yeah, it's sweet. So, um, that that was awesome, but the holiday the holiday generally was really really good, and we needed it, and it was great to spend some time with the family. The bit I wanted to talk about was something that came up while we were on holiday, and it's I, I try I don't know if I'm going to explain this very well, so you have to bear with me. But I built the holiday up in my head exactly how I thought it was going to be, right? And when I build something up in my head, nothing goes wrong. Nobody complains about anything. There's no other traffic on the road. There's no, you know, everything is perfect, which is an absolutely crazy way to look at life because life isn't perfect. But I have this this way of building it up in my head. So then we get there and things start happening, which generally speaking, it's great. But I notice all the things that aren't perfect. You know, we stayed in a, a lovely little chalet in a resort close to the beach, but there was some really nice wooden clad ones with balconies and hot tubs and we weren't in one of them. And then... Then I'm thinking, well, we want, we want to be in one of them. And then a car will go by that's nicer than our car that we, we've driven there. It, it's, all, it's all little things like that. And then a kid will moan, one of the kids will moan. And it just, I, I expect perfection, which is absolutely ludicrous because I don't live my life that way normally. But when I've got an event coming up, I expect it to all go perfectly without any hiccups, which is, which is absolutely wrong. And then that in turn gets me down because I think, well, we should be doing this or we should be doing that or we should have this or we should have that. Then I get angry and then and then I feel guilty for getting angry, obviously. And that, that even goes for relaxing. You know, if we if we sit down and chill out, I can't relax for long because I think, oh, well, we're in your way for so many days. We need to go and do something. And it's just madness. And they, they quite well, my wife, for those that don't know, quite rightly said, you need to relax. You need to stop expecting perfection because it will never happen. And you need to enjoy spending time with your family. And when that penny dropped, and when I, when I say it dropped, I mean, it, you know, she threw it in my head, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, it, then it dropped. And she's absolutely right. And once, once that had sunk in, I had a great time. But it, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Do you remember back to when um, I went away with my family and exactly the same halves? I'd been to that resort before. We went back to that resort because we went there pre-COVID and we wanted the perfect holiday. And that felt like the perfect holiday. So we went back and we were in a, a not a nicer room. And 
the place was a little bit more run down because obviously the Canary Islands had been, you know, devastated by no one going there for three years. And instantly I get there and go, well, this isn't how I expected it. It was perfection last time and it's not now. And of course, you know, there's you and the wife and the children all thinking we've only got seven days. So relax, get in the pool, go for dinner, get a drink. You yes, know? I'm and done. You, yeah. And you're like, oh, and on day two, I had like a bit of a meltdown. I was like, I can't do this. Like everyone, we've got to just enjoy it while we're here stop trying to fill every second with making it count it makes it count to chill out to relax to not worry Just about being the stuff. moment yeah. yeah be in the moment yeah be in the moment it's hard though because you want it to be nice for like you know you've looked forward to it you've needed a holiday you haven't had one and you want it to be perfect for everyone don't you, you want everyone to be having a good time but it doesn't always work out like that does it because life's not perfect is it like you say life isn't perfect and it goes back to that happiness is a choice thing and it's a difficult thing to just do every day you're absolutely right and you know i was that person that you know you, you were telling everybody to chill out and i'm the person that's trying to cram everything in thinking we need to do everything and you don't need to do everything in fact and when, when i look back on it now the best times we had a, a, a conversation i mean we played we taught the kids how to play new market first time they've ever really played cards outside of snap pairs or uno yeah because you know, they've got to that age and when I, when I look back now, that, that's going to be, you know, that already is. Yeah, the yeah, that'll be their memories as well. Like, we had holidays like that, and we used to look, like, that area as well, we used to go down to Cornwall. It's perfect, like, those sort of holidays. And you didn't want for anything, do you know what I mean? Like, you didn't know, like you say, you're in these little chalets, and, you know, you're just away and excited to be away from home and at the beach, and, you know, the kids will love it, and it'll be their, those sort of memories that they take, not, like, that you were in a mood. <laughs> yeah my wife's out tomorrow night and the kids are like so it's just you at home oh yeah can we play that card game oh we've already taken that but and, and that's that they're obviously the really important things and what do you need for that you need a table and a pack of cards that's it <laughs> saturday we are going to snowden and it's gonna rain Yay! Just what you want. That's what it does in Wales. So we are scaling Snowdon. We're going up. Scaling. Yeah, we are scaling it. Uh, we're going up one of two passes. I can't remember what they're called. Pig, dog and... No, just pig. P-Y-G. Pig and miners path. Uh, I bet you're pronouncing... I bet we're getting that wrong. Because it's Welsh, isn't it? So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's probably like pig, is it? rubber. <laughs> yeah. But I do know that hill in Welsh is... Bryn. Oh, Gavin Stacey. Of course, me and Harvest were talking about it earlier. So, yeah. Um, so, we're doing that to raise some money for Mind. We're doing that with Better Man. A hundred men are going to meet in the morning. A hundred men. And a few women. And a couple of women because we don't genderize. But, uh, yeah, so we're doing that on Saturday. So, that's going to be cool. We are going to do lots of story videos. So, there'll be the three of us videoing ourselves. So, watch out. Oh, we're saying. Getting off our blisters in our new walking boots. We received a grant. Woohoo! The Brave yeah. Turner Company applied for a grant through Shaftesbury Council to help us out with some new microphones for our podcast and some website updates. And Shaftesbury Town Council were very kind and gave us a grant. So watch out, people, for some changes going forwards. That's really cool. And a massive thank you to them for helping us out. That's Absolutely. really cool. Yeah. And we need to update everyone on our new Workout at Home channel, which is going to be Lisa Lift. <laughs> home workout weekly video so least tell us about that it's coming your way apparently so we've decided we need to be a bit more you know down with the kids but we need to be a bit more definitely proactive. not that that is definitely not 
Saying down with the down kids with the makes kids. yeah, it makes you seem old. Is that what makes you that. Old? <laughs> Totally radical, man. Yeah, so we're gonna do some more videos, some more reels, and I'm gonna help everyone out. If they can't get to the gym or they, you know, they feel a bit of gym intimidation, we're gonna have some workouts you can do at home with no equipment. Keep your eyes out for me in my front room. All garden. All garden, yeah, if it's nice. Car park outside Asda. Car park. As long as it's not in a gym. That's the main criteria. Yeah, yeah. People to do Definitely. Do it anyway. I hope you're going to go Mr. Motivator style. And like for the people at home, you can say, here's cans of beans or um, what else could you use? Lifting the sofa up. Bag you know? of sugar. Lifting the sofa? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a home workout. What, what do you use at home to work out with? There's a few things to choose before you lift the sofa up. <laughs> I'm not Superman. <laughs> So we've got a super special guest on tonight and it's a chap called Joe Plum and hopefully lots of our listeners have already heard of Joe. So Joe, welcome to the Really Bad Mental Health Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I love that. that. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Um, I think we'll all agree that we're totally privileged to have someone like Joe on so early in our podcast journey. We're on episode 14 and we have known Joe for a little bit of time now and he was one of the first people who got in contact with us when we started the Brave and Determined Company. For the people who are listening who don't know Joe, and I'm sure many of us of the listeners out there do, Joe is an award-winning public figure. I'm going to make you blush now, Joe, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> award-winning public figure. He's got his own podcast, which is called Togetherness. You're a charity ambassador for Kidscape and did Ditch the Last Label. You're a co-founder and deputy chair and designated safeguarding officer for Stand Out North Hants charity. Your website is absolutely fantastic. For the, so for those people out there who haven't seen it, go to joeplum.org and have a look. Joe specialises anti-bullying, children's social care, mental health safeguarding. And like I say, you've been a supporter of uh, the Brave and Determined Company from day one and you've bought some of our merch, which is awesome. Thank you. So you're helping us provide that early intervention, life-saving counselling. I love what you guys do. Oh, bless you. Thanks, Joe. And I think before we go any further, the first thing we need to talk about is how many famous people you've met. So you let's go through the list. David Beckham, Rod Stewart, Gary Lineker, Vernon Kay, Piers Morgan. <laughs> That's just from one event. <laughs> You're up there with the big players. So, Joe, thanks so much for coming on. So, you know, for the people out there, do you want to give us just a quick introduction of, of who you are and, and where you've come from and what you do? That'd be really cool. Uh, yeah, so I'll try and shorten it because I never really know where to start. So. As a kid, um, I, I'm autistic, and when you're in school pro- from very early primary ages, these things can seem very scary to children, young people. Um, I, I say back in the day when I was in school. I mean, it was a long time ago, but um, you know, it, there was no awareness still then, and teachers didn't really know what all of it was. So. I was isolated straight away and, you know, every day throughout school, I was verbally bullied, abused, beaten up, you name it, it was all there. And it was even like people from the secondary school had caught wind and even being in primary school, I was beaten up by them as well. Um, So every day was, it it was such a challenge to get through. and I couldn't even go to the toilet in school. Well, I'd have my head kicked in the toilet cubicle if I'd if I'd go anywhere I went, something would happen. Um, and it wasn't just students; it was also some teachers that would join in. 
So my first attempt of my life was aged 11. Um, and also when you mix that in with being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, um, you know, that's a challenge in itself because you just can't seem to get that balance. One, the effect that the bullying has on your mental health, but also then you've got the diabetes and the way that just feels exhausting impacts your mental health too. So um, when I was 11, I started volunteering at a youth cafe called Vision, which gave children, young people somewhere to go, something to do, something to talk to. And it the aim of it was just to work closely with the police and other um, organisations and the local authority to try and combat antisocial behaviour, but also give that safe place for children, young people to go, which unfortunately now, after COVID, we don't see many of those youth centres about at all. And uh, a lot of the people that bullied me went there. So I watched loads of Martin Luther King films and relatable films like The Pursuit of Happiness and stuff. Um, but Martin Luther King, for me, because I couldn't engage with cartoons because of the autism, everything had to be quite real and relatable. I ended up putting my my story, my bad experiences into my own, I have a dream speech. So it was, you know, what, what was going on and what would I dream to be better, not just for me, but for other people as well. So I had to push myself and it was very difficult. It wasn't easy, especially the social communication side, but when you go face to face with people that are beating you up every day and, you know, it's almost not escaping it but what it did is it not in a sense of some kind of hierarchy it put me on a platform where actually I was in control of my situation because I was volunteering there and they were go just going there to hang out with their friends and whatnot if they were going to do anything to me it'd be right you missed that session and that's why but also there was the PCSOs that used to come down so they'd be very much in tune with what was going on and that's really where my story started. And then when I was 12, I won my first award and they counted 53 different volunteering opportunities, volunteering jobs that I'd somehow taken on. So they were just reading off this long list of things. Um, and then when I was 13, I started off Stand Up Speak Out, which um, social media was just coming about really. And everyone was focusing on how many followers they had and all sorts of stuff. That's when this fake lifestyle stuff and all of this, how many followers you got is a big thing started to happen. But what I noticed is people weren't talking openly online about what they were going through in terms of bullying or whatever, but it was also, there wasn't anyone with autism using that platform as a way to also make it an accessible way to speak because there's so many different levels to autism. It's, you know, some are non-verbal, but others like me, I find certain situations difficult still, but I decided to use that as a platform to reach out to other people and to really make change. So that went global very quickly. So I went from this nobody all of a sudden to a somebody who was not just in local press, but and then I received my award from Prince William, Prince Harry, the Diana Award. Started also working with them, doing some work. And then 
Richard Branson, James Arthur, Sunita had come along, Richard Branson helped fund it. And then I was working with the British Medical Association, the British Youth Council, the Home Office, just, um, making toolkits for people with autism to communicate if they were being bullied or what's, what was going on that was upsetting them at the time. So it put parents, carers, teachers on the same level to know that there was something going on, but also know what was happening and how to help that person. Um, what that did though was it, I, I lost sense of who I was. It was just like, you know, you've gone from nobody. It was all of a sudden people are listening to you. And, you know, when you go, oh, I remember going to Milton Keynes shopping center and it was my mum's birthday. And I just like found myself on the front page of the daily express, like literally the most airbrushed photo, photo ever like my hair color didn't even look remotely like what it was but that could have just been the print but anyway um digressing a little bit but um yeah it was difficult to get used to that and it was a big change and I mean change is difficult for anyone but when something's out of routine and something's different when you've got autism it's feels like your whole world's closing in um and then things got worse and there was so many things that were being diagnosed uh at the time because you can't get diagnosed with certain things until you're over the age of 18 because of silly protocols in place and because they don't use therapeutic tools or haven't updated the mental health system with the new understanding that we've got so I had six different things then diagnosed as well. Where So all of these medications being chucked at me and I was all over the place. Things were difficult at home as well because the bullying obviously didn't stop. And then obviously my headspace, you know, I still have flashbacks from that and some of the other stuff, which I'll come on to in a minute. But my family didn't really understand it. Um, hold my hands up I wasn't always the easiest but there was a lot of stuff going on and I was I very much felt alone and that just ruined a lot of the relationships within my family and it's only recently that they've started to come back again which is great and I've had to work on that I've had to work on myself and still in therapy so it's taken a long way to get there but I was then put in a, to the psych unit for the first time and that was up in Sheffield and they killed me twice and this is very much what you hear on the news now even like when it comes down to local authorities and giving business to these care homes that you know, they're just there for money. They don't check these places. It's just easy to go and ship a young person off to them because it's just, oh, right, that's done. Now move on to the next case file or whatever they may call it. I've heard some horrible words. Um, so, yeah, they refused to give me my medicine. I was in so much pain. I talk about it and I can almost feel it again. Um, and I was crying out and 
they weren't going to call an ambulance because they were afraid on how it would look on them. And it wasn't until a parent had heard me screaming in pain that actually she called for help. So the ambulance came along. Um, I was rushed off to hospital. Uh, I was on life support. I was in hospital for just about four months. And when I was discharged, they did it again. And it wasn't just me that bad stuff was happening to. I, I was... I found myself being the counselor and therapist for other people in there as well, because they weren't getting the help they needed. You know, there was people trying to hang themselves that weren't being looked after. And it was like going into the rooms and then people having flashbacks from trauma that had happened. Some very horrible things that have happened in their childhood and they were just being ignored and the staff just laughed in a separate room. And through many psychiatric units that I've been in, they're all the same. There is, There are some good stuff, don't get me wrong, but they are all the same. They're, it's health and social care, any job, easy to get into. Obviously, being a nurse or a doctor, you've got to go on to, but if you want to become a HCA or a support worker, it's literally a couple of days training, just sitting there listening to someone for three hours and then, right, yeah, that's it, go off and work without any understanding at all. Um, because of the family situation, I was put into care. And the first care home I went into, I was being beaten up by not only the people that lived there, but staff as well. My stuff was stolen. I tried to speak to social services, my social worker, and I was being ignored. Like, they wouldn't do anything, like, a hierarchy i mean the man the manager of um the children's social care at the time uh, i mean i i called her vladimir putin she was this horrible russian lady that would not listen to you she just had this she felt like she had this control over every child and young person that she could say and do what she wants and because everyone had to listen to her like it just gave her this power um and it got so bad that i ran away i got onto the motorway late at night and i jumped in front of a car on the m1 and luckily for me although how i felt it was unlucky at the time it was an unmarked police car with tasers i got tasered for my own safety because it's a live carriageway and obviously i just was adamant to end my life again um and i've been very close numerous times and i've lost count the amount of stuff i've done to myself and i'm paying the price for it now with the damage i've done to my body um and there was a really nice police officer called abby that understood the situation because her sister has very similar um mental illness to me and um she she understood it and she would check up on me every day and she helped push some action so then I was put into this nice hotel and she would still check up on me and you know even now she'll give me a call and she'll just ask how I am and I don't live in Northampton anymore um and then they moved me to a care home which was so much better but still again having so many issues um 
and that just goes on and on. So I built something called the Social Work Academy, the Children in Care Council, and that gave children in care um, a voice on how services are performing, how they should be run, what needs to be improved. And then the Social Work Academy now means in Northampton, you can't just go on and become a social worker after getting your degree. You have to be interviewed by young people who are in care, who have that lived experience. If you can't connect or talk to a young person and you're a social worker and you can't do that in an interview, then you need to go back and work on your skills because as harsh as that may sound, yes, it is a hard environment for anyone to walk into. When you get your, when you get given the job, you're just going to get thrown to the deep end. So you need to know what you're doing, but instead of just also getting through that interview process, you are now trained by young people, how your decisions will affect them. And what that also does is gives the opportunity of recruitment selection training. So they, you know, that's what to put on their CV, but also sitting across the table, what it, what other, uh, when you're in an interview, what do the people interviewing you look for in a job? Um, so when they go out to get a job, it's that they've got these skills in their head from both sides of the table then. And that aims to break down those barriers and those stereotypes that we have that, you know, children in care are just, you know, they're going to go off and commit crime, which you look at it because the whole system's broken. 75% of people that are in jail right now come from a care background. Um, and a lot of that is to do with this figure of eight system we've got. It's not about rehabilitation we need to be focusing on that reintegration in society. We need to give the help, like what's going on and actually give that help that they should have got in the first place. I'm not condoning some of the stuff they do, but actually there is a reason for it. And then started off the care leavers council, which did the same thing. So after you're 18, uh, you go on and become a care leaver. We got the legislation change to, uh, instead of just 21 so there was a very bad transition process so then just kicking out the system you've got now until you're 25 where you are in that leaving care team you are the the line is always open so you've always got support if you need to come back into the system whereas before when you were 18 to 21 once you were 21 that's it you're on your own now so I always said you know, when I was I was 17, why don't we run social services as a charity? Because that was what I did. You know, I'm now 25 and I've got seven organisations under my belt, um, which I have run, set up and also co-run as well, as well as doing that in the US and Australia as well. Um, and I'm being flown out to Melbourne next year for that. Um, so that's how Standout came along. So I took a county council which went bankrupt and because that was also failing because people were stealing money and all sorts um we managed to rescue it rescue some of the money that they had aside and set up standout which now is the first charity charity ever of its kind in europe to run social services as the charitable structure um and we are now working on building care homes which are person-centered approach will have a trauma-informed approach instead of being very overcrowded they've got the right staff 
staff that are trained correctly and they are there for people with specific needs that need to be met whether that's trauma whether that could be some sort of abuse that has been suffered or whether that's simply they've just been placed into care because of it could be mental health reasons or whatever and they just need that extra support so instead of the councils giving money to businesses that are just there to make money we will now have homes built for that certain reason so i get safeguarding calls from the police when kids go missing um because i can relate to them nine times out of ten if a child from care goes missing they're going to be in a 24-hour mcdonald's sitting there safe there's light there's staff around if something happens but it's to escape and i was always tasked when i was 16 i was sitting down with detectives helping like with certain cases because i was the one that people would go to and i got safeguarding trained when i was 13 and i started delivering that training so i knew what to do when disclosures were made and uh luckily a big case now which was ignored you know i brought this up when i was 16 it was a lot of sexual assaults and it was a pedophile ring in northampton and a lot of these young girls were coming up to me talking about it and finally well it's taken a long time but after pushing and pushing and pushing got out into the press and we've managed to get convictions and get a, it's not full justice for anyone that has to go through it but it's a little bit of justice and gets these vile human beings off the street for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I still get these calls from the police. You know, when someone goes missing, it could be something that goes on in care. Even if a young person contacts this number because they need that they've escaped from something or something's going on. I mean, it's still bad that it takes someone who's unpaid. I don't pay myself for any of the work and I've never been paid for any of the work I've done. I fund it from three jobs. <laughs> so uh, all of that goes into that and feeding my family. Um, but all it takes is someone who understands, who seems, it seems to be unpaid, that knows how it is. I put the calls in and no one's listened to them yet i'll put the call in i'll understand why and the next day they'll be put into a place of safety and then moved on to a different care home and you won't hear from them again then the police that's taking their time resources uh that, that's putting them back on the street um not saying they shouldn't be there looking for vulnerable young children but actually when social services aren't doing their job we see this time and time again um so there's just a bit of a summary a few very cringy TV things. I was in Mortley Road and um, many radio things. I've had a party with Tiny Temper and Gemma Carney. Been to the House of Parliament with them. I've some mad things. Ed Sheeran, his family. I still keep in touch. Lots of work with them and starting Britain Get Talking on ITV during the uh, pandemic. And yeah, with all these weird awards and then the Queen's new award from the Queen. And yeah there's that it, i've probably blabbled on a bit too much but yeah sorry no thank you first and foremost thank you i'll have a drink now sorry <laughs> yeah, please do. honestly don't apologize i mean wow 25 years of age and you've done more in in you know 25 years than most people do in a lifetime so 
you know, thanks for being honest and open, Joe, and an amazing, amazing journey. So that's fantastic. Thank you. So you've you've obviously been through some tough times um, where at times you've been open and said you wanted to quit. And, you know, there's been times where you've tried to take your own life and, and luckily for, for everyone, you've been unsuccessful. How how did you turn it around? So at those dark times, what was your driving motivation to to know that you wanted to get out of it? I wanted to continue doing the things I felt like for once in my life, I had a purpose, which was to make a difference. And if I wasn't here, like how was I to do that? But also giving the messaging that I was and that I still do. If I was to end my life, I've always worried about whatever repercussions that could have on someone else that follows me avidly. You know, I've got just my Facebook. We one I haven't posted today. That's hit 2.3 million today. Wow. So, um, you know, I worry about, the repercussions and the impact that's going to have and I don't want to be the reason why someone takes their own life so that's always driven me and I want to not just die as Joe Plum when it's my time to go I want to feel good when it's my time to go knowing that I've done all I can and I've left something good behind and hopefully you know helped a lot of people definitely there'll be a lot in your dash we were talking about <laughs> this you. and, and like what happens you're born and you die that's on your headstone isn't it but it's what you do in your dash that really yes. matters in life you know what you what you choose to do but incredible thank you and I, one thing I can't get over I mean I'm maybe this is me and how I am but how forgive maybe forgive is not the right word but you're not angry at you don't seem like you're angry at anything that's kind of happened to you or the people who like you say bullied you and you stood in help them out there are times where I get angry I still I still have a lot of PTSD from everything that's happened and that's going to happen and I think with my mental illnesses I've accepted that also you know there's going to be good and bad days you know I'm going to have relapses but actually it's how I overcome them which I've got my own toolkit now and I know how to deal with that and everyone's different in you know it's not just this same you know this script that you'll get read out in a therapy session with cams or whoever where it's still just read out to you from a piece of paper everyone is different and it's about finding what works for you and joe are you just just so our listeners know do you still go through therapy now i'm still in therapy now yeah and uh, i never thought that i'd actually I mean, whenever from being in a unit and whenever someone mentions therapy, I think it comes back to that. Oh, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Um, but actually, this therapy is great because the first module we did was run by some great people. But actually, you just have a laugh and a joke, a few F words thrown in, which made it just seem human. But also they'd had their own struggles. So it was just made relatable. And we just all have a natter and it was great. I feel like I'm at one with myself. You know, I've done a lot of damage to myself. I've got, I've still got an eating disorder as well, which I'm battling. And, uh, but, you know, I've got permanent catheterization now along, <clears throat> sorry, alongside my uh, diabetes um, and the neuropathy because of the damage I've done, I can't we. Um, of the overuse of laxatives as well I'm now not far away from having to have a bag because I can't do anything 
So if anyone's actually listening to this and you might be doing stuff like this, reach out, get some support because you don't want all of these things. Like you can joke about as much as you want. You know, I'll say to say to my fiance, you know, it's great when we go down to the pub or whatever, because I don't have to queue up for a toilet or try and rush upstairs to a Weatherspoons toilet. And everyone knows Weatherspoons always have awkward stairs to try and get up. <laughs> so, um, but no, they do have all of this stuff has, has lasting impacts. Um, and, you know, even on my eyesight and uh, my health. Is, You're you still know, smiling, Joe. No point letting it bring you down. <laughs> it's what's happened's happened. It's my own fault. There's no one else to blame for that. Apart from me, yes, it was circumstances at the time, but I was the one doing that to myself. Subconsciously or knowingly, I did that. Um, but I do blame the education system. I blame the government for this lack of funding. But I don't blame the people that bullied me because it's, you know, the lack of education, understanding and awareness that's given out there is it's still awful. And this is why I set up Heads to Health uh, recently. So we're going to be doing accreditation schemes in schools and workplaces as well, which means that schools will actively be working with students, with staff and putting things into the curriculum to achieve these different levels of accreditation which is then they're getting that national press for and it's almost like having a good Ofsted report link it with Ofsted and it's the same for workplaces you get that national recognition to go right actually we care about our employees and the welfare of our staff and we are doing all that we can especially after the pandemic with anxiety and the post-lockdown anxiety we are doing all we can to make sure they feel safe supported cared for and they don't feel like they're alone when they walk out of our doors yeah it's amazing joe to um to listen to your story and all the things you're driven to do and you know again i, I think it's amazing and, and we take our hats off to you. Thank you i think i think what we're gonna have to do joe if it's okay is get you back on because we've, <laughs> yeah, we've got... I, i've seen the little timer ticking <laughs> on the <laughs> on the top left so can we can we have you back on in like a couple of weeks? Um, because yeah, we've got be some great. questions that we'd love to to ask you. And what we can do is say to our listeners, you know, is there anything that they'd like to ask Joe Plum? And if if you if there are questions, then get in contact with us, the Brave and Determined Company at gmail.com, send your questions, and then when we get Joe back on, we can ask him whatever you like. Joe's a really open Sounds guy good. and has said he's to totally open to any questions, so ask him whatever you like and that'd be really cool. Harves and Lee, I'm sorry, you guys didn't get to answer your questions. That's all right. We'll save them for another day. I kept thinking of questions and then Joe carried on and he answered the question I was going to ask. Sorry. No, it's brilliant. <laughs> and also like other questions that I hadn't thought of, like other things. Just, are you just an amazing guy? Yeah, absolutely I'm, amazing. I'm, almost, I'm rarely speechless, but I'm kind of... No, she really is just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, full of admiration and, and great. So, Joe, listen, thank you so much for coming on and telling us your story. And I think everyone no, will be you. amazed to to hear it. And let's get you back on. Sounds good. Hopefully no admissions in, in the way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> bless you. Stay well. That's the main thing, isn't it? Stay well. And keep cuddling Freddo because he is the cutest dog I've ever seen. He's doing all right. He's actually starting to listen to me now. Not even my fiance does that. <laughs> yeah fantastic. she just heard me she was like what <laughs> <laughs> oh bless you well uh, thanks joe and we'll catch up again um very soon all right sounds good thank you for having me thanks joe oh thank you 
Wow, what an interview. That guy is a superstar. Absolutely. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, the things that guy's gone through and the openness he brings to our podcast. I mean, he is, it gives me shivers down my spine thinking yeah. about what I'm we speechless. just talked about. Yeah, amazing guy. Absolutely amazing. To kind of go through all that, but want to give back and make other people's lives better. Do you know what I mean? Like the easy option of that would to be like, you know, the system's been against me. I've been in care. I've been, you know, left basically. Most people would just be like, see ya. You know, I'm not, you know, they wouldn't put their efforts into making that whole system better for other people. Well, and the statistic he used was 75 people, 75% of people that go through the care system end up in prison. Well, yeah. that, that's him. And he's come out the other side. You know, Sean and all these people have recognised yeah. him, which actually he it sounds like he really struggled with and then fell off the cliff the other side and ended up yeah, going, yeah. you know, further down. But then has still brought himself back up. And his body is obviously, you know, paying now for those the treatment yeah. that he's given over the years. And he is still smiling. It is amazing, amazing. Absolutely. It makes me feel bad for moaning about everything that I've been moaning about this week. But all your problems, Lisa, your problems. They are. But, you know, it kind of puts it into a bit of perspective, maybe. You know, we can take a very positive note from Joe, I yeah. think. And, um, yeah, I think that's a really, really cool thing. Look forward to having him back on for all the questions we didn't get to ask. Yeah, I mean, his story was amazing that we just ended up listening to him rather than asking it. I, you know, I got one question in, but... We are going to get him back on in a couple of weeks and we'll go through those interview questions. And I think that'd be really cool. And he's such a nice guy. Get on yeah. to, yeah, absolutely. Just get onto his website, which is joeplum.org and have a look at all the stories. There's a lot of interesting info on this, right? He reposts a lot of like mental health stories, doesn't he? And like issues that are in the public eye at the moment. He reposts a lot of detail about that. Absolutely. What a superstar. So big thanks to Joe for coming on. And that's really cool. Next week, we've got another guest. So we are getting the guests on all over the place. We've got a lady called Shelley coming in. And Shelley is a specialist child's counsellor. So I believe she works with people from the age of five up to the age of about 16 to 17. And she's going to come on and talk to us. We've spoken about our experiences with counselling. So Shelley's going to come on and talk to us about her experiences of, of children and, and working through that therapy. And I think that'd be a really cool thing. So we'll get some yeah, questions together. And Yeah, absolutely. And I've spoken to her on the phone and she is such a super cool person. She's so lovely. So I'm really looking forward to her coming on. So that's going to be great. That's next, next week. Quick update. Went to McDonald's yesterday, got chocolate milkshake. Did you? Yeah. Which one did you go to, Huffs? Bodmin. Well, I'm not driving all the way there. For the people <laughs> who don't know where we are, Bodmin's what, two and a half hours? Well, okay, so for the people that don't know where we are and think that I've just driven two and a half hours to get a look, <laughs> I haven't. It was on the way back from Cornwall, back to Somerset um, yesterday. And yeah, so the McFlurry was happening and the, um, the milkshake machine was happening. So I, I guess that they just wait for the weather to be really, really hot when you really want it and then say no well i bet on our way back from sunny wales on saturday because i'm sure oh, we need be to a... find a mcdonald's yeah and i bet you it'll be chucking it down with rain in wales and we'll be able to get a mcflurry and a milkshake oh we'll have earned that by the time we get back down that mountain i don't know whether it's a deliberate business model of mcdonald's though but anywhere else you'd go to and if they fail to deliver on the thing you wanted you wouldn't go back but with me, it's kind of like this weird little mission where I've got to I'll get actually it. keep going back to see if they've got one. I was just about to expect Lise to come out with a, a conspiracy theory that there's something in the McFlurry that makes you go back. They put a drug in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do love a conspiracy theory. You certainly do. Yeah, so. 
Is there any conspiracy theories around the uh, mountain that is Snowden? Oh, I, I haven't come up with any. We're, we're quite prepared, though, aren't we, Lise? What have you bought this week? I've bought some walking shoes. Um, and today I've ordered some Kendall mint cake, some zinc oxide for any blisters I might incur. I've got my brother's given me a bladder pack, which sounds disgusting, but apparently is something you put in your rucksack to drink out of. And gels that you drink to kind of give you energy. At least it's walking up a hill. We're not doing a marathon. I feel like it's more than a hill. Oh, are we going to put our weighted vests on and walk up in our weighted vest? Absolutely that... not. Absolutely <laughs> I mean, not. it's just a hill. <laughs> I, don't, I think I don't need to bring anything. You two have got it covered. You've got a pair of, tra- a pair of trainers halves and you've got a waterproof coat, haven't you? That's me sorted. Although you do need to be prepared for all weathers and all, all eventualities. I've basically got a ghillie suit, which if you don't know what that is, that's what a sniper wears. And I've got some black paint <laughs> for my face. <laughs> We're going to get camouflage. Full military. (laughs) So, Harves, we're at the end. What did you think of that episode? Um, I thought it was a really good episode. It was great to get uh, Joe on talking. um, And he's given us a lot to think about. A lot to think about. I mean, it's mad, isn't it? You think what he's um, what he's been through. I think if I if I could take something away from what he said, it would be his like power of forgiveness. That would be the thing for me. Like Lee said earlier, um, he he somehow manages to forgive these people to the point where he was um, working in a shop and and they were there. And he said he still gets angry at times and obviously he's got PTSD and gets flashbacks to those those bullying moments. But, you know, what a guy who can who can forgive those people. And I think, you know, if there's anything to take away from this, it's that, you know, we should try and forgive those people who have um, betrayed us in the world. Well, I think, you know, there's there's an argument to say that if you don't forgive, then you're not allowing yourself the uh, opportunity to move on. Um, So it's a hard thing to process and understand it's almost like this choosing happiness thing again you mm. know choosing to forgive people allows you the opportunity to move on from it so it's a, it's a hard skill and one that i don't think i've got or haven't got yet anyway that um that joe clearly has got and it's it's helped him um get to where he is i've heard someone say before that if you like um if you hang on to hatred then you'll never let it go and um you know your your life will be surrounded with with hatred if you hate other people but if you can forgive and let it go and move along then you know your your the peace will come back into your life and i think that's a really important thing for, for me anyway to take away um from what joe said and i mean he's an amazing guy isn't he absolutely amazing yeah he's brilliant he's brilliant and uh yeah it was great of him to come on and when um when he comes back on um hopefully we'll ask him loads and loads of questions this time because um we ran out of time so quickly We've run out of time. I've got a lot of scribble down. Plenty to talk about next time he comes on. Yeah, cool. Right, guys, let's leave it there for tonight. Thank you so much. It's been a really cool one. I know we didn't get to speak much, but wow, what a guy that Joe Plum is. It was fantastic. He's way more interesting than we are. (laughs) Unfortunately, yes, he is. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All the the listeners are nodding. Right, Lise, could you sing Ain't No Mountain High Enough? Ain't no man high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from you.
What's the song that um that Bryn uh, and Ness sing at the end of uh, Gavin and Stacey? Islands in the stream. That is what we are. <laughs> no one in between. This is a bonus edition, without a doubt. <laughs> that's too that's too many. The worst part of my whole thing is when I have to listen back to this and like get the tags and the the hashtags when I have to hear myself sing. People love it. People love it. Cheers, guys. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.